This is another episode of the Annoyed Not Offended podcast. For people who are never in a bad mood, everyone else is just annoying. And I'm your host, Sydney. Let's dive into what's getting under our skin this week. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Um, Thanks again for tuning in for our another episode of the Annoyed Not Offended podcast. Um, As always, I'm your host, Sydney, coming to you with the latest and greatest in the news of what has gotten on our nerves this week. And you guys, it's a lot going on. Um, Happy Father's Day to all who celebrate and also happy Juneteenth. Happy Juneteenth. If you are not off work tomorrow, please quit. But... um, (laughs) (laughs) but seriously y'all it's a federal holiday your job should be up with the times and let you off especially as a black person like we deserve if not if not that one day even more but we'll talk about that another time but you guys not only will it be Kendall and I on this episode but we have a guest um I am super excited to have Tati joining us today as we discuss therapy, mental health resources, and, you know, what we can do as individuals to make sure we're putting our mental health first. But Tati, do you want to give a quick introduction? Sure. Thank you again, Sydney, for allowing me to be on your podcast. I'm a fan and I'm very excited to be here. So like Sis said, I am Tati, short for Tatiana. Um, I am a licensed master social worker and a therapist here in St. Louis. Um, which means I am under clinical supervision. So in two years, I can say clinical social worker. Um, I do all kinds of therapy, but I focus mainly um, on youth and families and uh, 10 and under. So you're doing some play therapy and things like that. Um, I focus a lot on trauma, behavioral issues in association with like ADHD and autism, but really I work with kind of just anybody. Yeah. (laughs) And that is so great. But you guys, as we said before, we'll be getting more into like what led Tatiana into her journey with therapy, as well as just any advice that she can offer anybody looking to get a therapist. I myself don't have one. So I hope Mm. this proves to be very informative for me, um, as well as some other listeners. But you guys, we're going to jump right into it with the very first segment of the show, which is fan up or up. If any, if there are any new listeners out here, um, this segment is pretty much when we just go off about the week, get it off our shoulders, whatever got on our nerves or just had us clearly fucked up but you guys I was robbed was robbed well okay I wasn't physically robbed like I was not assaulted oh. I'm not gonna joke I'm not gonna joke it that way but you guys like, oh, after wait a minute we <laughs> know no um after a wonderful weekend away in Atlanta last weekend I came home to realize two purses and a makeup bag were missing oh. from my luggage Oh my God, I've been meaning to text you about this. If they followed up. So, um, yeah, two, and these are two of my nice purses. These are my, um, Telfars. Yep. Oh. So my Telfars came up missing in my makeup bag. I got back home Monday morning, but 
I came back in, and you know, when you get off the plane, like once you get home, I'm not the type of person that immediately unpacks. Um, mm-hmm. So I kind of worked a bit and probably around noon, I was like, well, I got my lunch time. Let me unpack. When I say, first of all, I didn't notice my purses were also gone. The first thing I noticed was my makeup bag was gone. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dang, my makeup bag is usually on top of my clothes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, let me call my cousin. Um, I stayed at a hotel, but I was with her. So I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, can you go check at the hotel? She's like, well, call. I'll go up there. So I call and they're like, okay, we'll check. And then I'm looking through my bags some more. I'm like, oh shit, where are my purses? Like my purses are not in here. I'm flipping oh the bag God. upside down. I'm just like, what? So I'm literally on the phone with um housekeeping and they're like yeah the room hasn't even been clean yet like it's nothing in here so and I'm like dog and now the thing is basically like with the airport it's crazy Mm -hmm. how they're set up because you know technically even though it was Atlanta Hartsfield International and my Mm -hmm. flight was Southwest technically Mm -hmm. I have to place the claim through TSA because mm-hmm. they handle mm-hmm. all of that so now mm-hmm. I have to send in this fat ass document mm-hmm. basically outlining everything I'm claiming and why they're liable mm-hmm. like even one of the questions was like why do you believe we or our employees are liable for your claim like mm-hmm. the last time I saw my property it was under your supervision I ain't mm-hmm. take it mm-hmm. so I'm just like this is very very frustrating and I really just want my money back and Southwest they just keep sending these vouchers but I'm just like I'm mm. over it I'm so you, over still it. Ain't got, you still ain't got the bags yet did you no I don't know where the bags at girl somebody Damn. is in Atlanta with my shit on being cute and <laughs> more power to them <laughs> more power to them like I can't I can't I'm not even really upset about it anymore because of like you know it's material items. I can't do anything but replace them. I'll have to just move on. But what y'all, what got y'all fed up or fucked up this past week? Mm. Hey, well, what type of vouchers are you getting? Free flights? Right. Is it like 20 off? Like <laughs> It's literally just like those vouchers where they're like, okay, here's $200 towards your next mm. flight. I'll take mm. it. Girl. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> what else that, gonna come up good- missing when I fly with them? That's a good chunk of money. Two hundred dollars off a flight, and flights are expensive nowadays. Right. So I mean, I'm trying to book a flight for my birthday weekend, and it's like five hundred dollars. Mm. Well, when so, you go, just make sure you tape your shit to you. I <laughs> hope they take something so I can get a claim. Has y'all fed up? Kelly, you might have to go first. I got to think about what had me fed up because it's always something. I know Kendall got something. I mean, I do, but I don't know. I think I got a plethora, to be honest. Um, I feel like my first thing would always have to be personal space and the level of when you go out. I was having this conversation yesterday with someone about how, like, neither of us really like going out anymore. Like, I'll go to a bar, I'll get drinks, or I'll go to dinner and all that stuff. But, like, I don't enjoy going out as much anymore. And Mm -hmm. it's more or less because like people, he was like, oh, it's weird. 
or something. And I was like, eh, I don't feel that same sentiment. I do feel that people don't understand personal space. Mm-hmm. And my big thing is like my space bubble, like don't enter it. Mm-hmm. And they don't say, excuse me. They'll like push you or like there's, I was standing and I was like completely sober on Friday when I went out, but I was standing and mm-hmm. this couple short little couple next to me and I'm five ten. So this little ass couple was like hitting my arm and like making out and like basically laying on me at one point. And then the person in front of me was shorter than me oh too, like significantly, but I still couldn't move. I felt like trapped. And I started getting like super anxious. Cause I was like, I can't move like, and they're laying on me and then all this stuff. It was just, it was a moment where I was like, this is why I don't leave my house as much. I am grossed out by that. And right. I, and I'm like, there. but it's also too, like, there's a certain type of people where <laughs> like they also no matter like if they get really drunk they think you're like mm-hmm. best friends mm-hmm. and I'm like I don't know you so why are you touching me why are you like right. trying to dance yeah. on me like all this stuff and I was like oh lord that sounds like a lot and especially too I think people just in general are having to come back to that realization as we are now in larger crowds in larger group settings like I don't think a lot of people have like acclimated to it because I know me personally I'm the same way like going out now I'm like okay this is giving me anxiety like this is Mm -hmm. a lot of people and when you think about like pre-COVID it used to be hundreds and hundreds of people and we were all fine so I really think COVID has unlocked this new like social anxiety of just being out in crowds I remember oh. going to grocery stores, like when things, the grocery stores always open, but whenever I would go like in the midst of a 2020, early 2021, even to this day, like I used to get really anxious and I'm like, where is this coming from? But I think it's because we weren't used to having this many people around each other. Like, yeah, even in Trader Joe's, like some people were just so like rude and like, mm-hmm. don't notice you walking. Like I was literally standing waiting for this woman to notice me just now when I was running errands and I was like, she blocked up the area with her stroller with her kid inside of it. So I couldn't cross Mm -hmm. it. And she Mm -hmm. didn't even see me. She was looking the other direction and talking to somebody behind her. And then when she Mm -hmm. crossed me and saw me when I was trying to walk through, she didn't even say apology. Like she didn't say sorry. And she didn't say, excuse me. But earlier when I was in that same store, I like had brushed arms Mm -hmm. with a black woman and she immediately apologized. She was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I was like, no, that was also me. Like, it's okay. Like, but it's just the acknowledgement of your spatial awareness. Mm. That is so important. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, certain yeah. people don't have it. Yeah. And I'm going a, I'm to a drink my tea on that part because certain people don't have it. Pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, during. They just, <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, that is something that would have me fed up and fucked up. Right. And then boys will always be in this category. So that's always new. Yeah. You know, that's just the story of my life. I feel like that could be like a two hour podcast on itself. Um, (laughs) For another time. For another time, whether you're single, dating, in a relationship, married, they just stress you out on all the course. And, um, you know, I think it's in our nature and uh, screaming. 
Amen. So let me think. What had me fucked up this week? I think the biggest one is gas prices. Um, <laughs> I think that's everybody's on everybody's list. Uh, <laughs> I would have never thought in my day that I would see St. Louis almost reach five dollars in gas. Um, it's like six here in Illinois, six or seven yeah. almost. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I, it has its own. I mean, gas has always been in the budget, but now it's like a bill. Like it's 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 up there and I have an issue um with that <laughs> I think we all do like my car I have a <laughs> Nissan but even then when I first got my car did it freeze for you too yeah she's frozen and it definitely oh, took okay. about 40 45 dollars to fill up so mm-hmm. when I had my 25 dollars I'm like okay this cool we good to go but now I barely got a half tank today with 30 dollars yeah. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 bad. <laughs> and and two, I would say like Kendall, you're in Chicago. At least with Chicago, mm. you all have very reliable public transportation. If mm. I if we had a good ass metro and a yeah. good ass bus system, oh mm-hmm. baby, I would be booking it. I would have mm-hmm. my car every day walking straight up, just tapping, going wherever I needed to go. But like you said, fill up. No, I'm not. I refuse. Mm-mm, no. Yeah. Any any opportunity I can do therapy at home, that's what we're doing. Because that driving is is not it anymore. I don't even <laughs> think it's gas we put in our car anymore. It's something else. Because it's burning too mm. fast. Yeah. It's something else. Yeah, no. They're tricking no. us. They are. They are. Let me do some research on that and get back to you. Please, please. And I'm going to do research on how I can make some in my kitchen because that's at the point I am at. Like you said, it was gas used to be in the budget. But now when you just look it back on your bill, like, damn, I spent this much money. I couldn't imagine. This is why I'm glad I never took my driver's test because I couldn't imagine. On top of that, go ahead. No, I'm going to say, I think I spend like $2.15 a month on gas now. It's that's wow that's bad <laughs> it, it is bad yeah and then you're paying car notes people mm. paying insurance mm. like we don't get no discounts maintenance you know oil changes you gotta get the tires yeah. rotated like yeah yeah it might and, i think everybody thought they'd be outside this summer but it's looking like we're gonna be in the house again yeah yeah listen between monkey pox and all this mm. i don't know if i'm gonna leave I don't know if I'm leaving. Yeah. yeah. Mhm. Mhm. Monkeypox. I was listening to a podcast on monkeypox the other day, yeah. and I was. It's very interesting because I feel like the issue that we're going to have with this is that they're going to spin it into a narrative that's very similar to the AIDS epidemic. Mm. Because now they're seeing cases that the transfer is one. It is airborne, but it's not the same as COVID. But mm. two that it is like through male to male like intercourse mm, okay Interesting. yeah I have to look yeah. more into it like I've read mm-hmm. some stuff about it in the yeah. news but I'm not as familiar yeah I'm not with I'm not familiar with it either I try to tune out as much media as I can because it literally overwhelms me and <laughs> I just 
Mm-hmm. I just don't keep up anymore. I probably should, but it, it's just too much. It is. It's, it's overwhelming. Much. It is. This was like I think- one of those things that I really wanted to like turn a blind eye from and be like, it won't happen. And then that podcast episode came up and I was like, okay, maybe I should listen. And then when mm-hmm. I did, I was like, oh my God, I can't do this again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It is too we, much. We're honestly just living out all of these various multiverses that we have no idea how they have been unlocked. Like literally over the last few years, just a Pandora's box of things have just been happening yeah. and popping up. Right? Like yeah. never, yeah. never would this happen. And then boom, yeah. next day, shit happens. Yeah. It's yeah. like we've got this super, superhero movie like conflict and they're mm-hmm. like, just save the world. You either have to enter like yeah. blah, 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 things yeah. happen. Yeah. And honestly, I would have rather we blew up. Yeah. <laughs> we have to pay for gas. I know that much. Listen, between these gas prices, we might as well just blow up. This inflation, <laughs> all of this, what's the point? Look, I, look. And honestly, it's like, it's low-key and high-key traumatic because it's like one thing happens, we don't catch a break, and then it's the next thing and the next thing. Like, have you thought about all the shit that has happened in three years like it's you so can't. much that I can't even like keep up because there was like COVID and then there were these fucking rabbits who these, the rabbits were going around with like diseases and then there were these killer hornet bees and then there were you know it was just yeah. so much stuff like and now here we are with monkeypox and then inflation and then Trump and it's just well also like just, the economy during COVID hit very low yeah. And they're basically giving us money to spend. Not everybody got a stimmy. I never got a stimmy. But yeah. then you also have people who literally can't afford to live. At literally. This and nothing mm-hmm. has really changed in the state yeah. of finances mm-hmm. for a lot of these people. Because now with inflation, they also can't afford to live. Yeah. So really, what yeah. have we done in terms of progress? Nothing. Yeah, nothing. I yeah. mean, if anything, these last few years have just shown us how far we still have to go on so many different things in terms of health care in terms of equity and racism and even like you said economic stability as well as who who is actually making enough money to pour into the economy and so Mm -hmm. forth like there are so many issues that are just systemic in general Uh, and yeah, we'll know, the they won't get better until they're addressed. It's also like, it looks like we're heading towards a recession again, which is also very crazy. And yeah. that they're raising like credit line interest rates in order to fund off or hold off having a recession again. But okay, so we, it's a little crazy because the everyday consumer and the everyday working person is going to be the one that can't afford to live any of this anymore. That's true. It's very true. One thing I was going to say that's completely off topic. All I know is before the recession hit, Beyonce Giselle knows Carter better take her ass on tour. Because after that, I'm definitely not going to have no fucking money. I already bought this damn box. Exactly. You talking about the recession. I just bought this $40 box. I haven't even heard the damn, none of the songs. I don't know what any of the merchandise is going to look like. Like, I'm trying to spend my money while I got it. I'm dead. <laughs> All vacations from September to next year are canceled. Like, honestly, we are, we are in the crib. Like, it's, it's 
the club is in the it's crib. Okay. Crazy. Cause when I got my promotion envelope and I saw my raise last week, I literally thought in my head, can y'all afford this? <laughs> was, Wait, your company? Yeah. Yeah. Now them, that's who has the money. That's who's going to be fine. I was like, y'all, can y'all afford this? Cause y'all can't afford air conditioning in the hallways. So I don't know. Oh, oh. That's just me. I need to work from home. We don't even get Wi-Fi by the elevators. <laughs> the Wi-Fi cuts off in the elevator area along with the air conditioning. Or yeah, you know what? If if you are going to give me a raise before you fix the building, I'm with it. I don't give a fuck about this building. <laughs> work from home. I even said the building could blow up too. We were getting these emergency test alert phone calls and texts, and it came through, and I was like, "Oh, we all about to blow up." <laughs> Hey, you and it's blown up. <laughs> I say it all the time. Boom. Just like Sid is always like, you need me to call in a bomb alert. I'm like, <laughs> I say blow up. She says bomb alert. But the other day I was in the office and our office is in like one of the tall skyscrapers in the city. And we're on the 22nd floor and the wind is like blowing from the lake and the windows are like rattling and shaking. And I was like, oh, we all about to blow up. <laughs> <laughs> Whole building just like, tip the fuck over. <laughs> at least we'd be dead instantly. Like, <laughs> no, I can't do it. It'd be your ass, the oh. one survivor on the news. Like, I don't know what happened. I just, <laughs> the wind blew and I heard a boom and a crash. <laughs> now I'm here. My TikTok for you page is so fucking scary lately because it's been natural disaster TikTok. Mm. And then also, it's been all these people talking about like, they have ghosts or like spirits that visit them at nighttime. And then it's like a dream. And then something happened right when they woke up that was related to that dream. Mm. And I was like, I didn't sleep last night. I, I was scared. <laughs> I was too scared to fall asleep. Maybe change the algorithm. Go like. <laughs> oh, no. I've been, I've been liking a lot of Lizzo videos. Anything that will give me a little chuckle. Yeah. You need to start like flowers or something. <laughs> TikTok used to have me snickering and shit, and now I'm scared and shit. Like it's not. not <laughs> well, we don't. Well, thank God Tatiana is here. We gonna move on to the main segment because we are going to address that stress that has been caused by TikTok. Because there's no way in hell I'm watching videos about ghosts and not having PTSD. Like what? So, so that kind of should lead into my first piece of advice is to tailor your fees on any social media so that you aren't soaking in bullshit like ghosts and um, anything else scary or draining <laughs> that you can't nice. believe. <laughs> you know what? And that is a word. That is a word. But you guys, as we mentioned earlier in the show, Tatiana is a, um, oh my goodness, Tatiana is currently a social worker and she is going through her clinicals to become a licensed therapist, but I am excited to have her here so we can chat about like all of these barriers to Mm -hmm. Black mental health today, as well as the resources that are necessary for addressing them. And I can honestly start off by saying I am very much aware of like my mental health downfalls. Like you said, the doomsday scrolling as they call it, where you just scroll, 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 and you soak up 
not only funny, positive videos, but negative things about just bad stuff happening in the world and so forth. I do that for a long time. Um, I'm also somebody that is fairly anxious. I get Mm -hmm. anxiety really bad. Um, I think it's more so just because I'm always in that mode of what's next? What do I have to do to get this? How can I change this outcome? Like I'm always thinking ahead and they always say that's like the biggest anxiety inducer, not living in the present, constantly Mm -hmm. just trying to anticipate what's next. Um, But yeah, I've always been somebody that has thought about doing therapy, but still hesitant because I've had heard good stories and bad stories about therapy, but I still know overall there are more pros than cons. What about Mm -hmm. you, Kendall? What has been your experience with therapy? Um, I started therapy pretty young just because my parents separated when I was um, like eight years old. And so my mom started my brother and I in therapy along with her. So it started like family, then separate sessions. And I used to dread going just because I think I'd kind of figured it all out for myself. I matured really quickly because of this. Um, But I think at least emotionally, like I became very emotionally intelligent and self-aware processing my parents' divorce and separation that Mm -hmm. for a while, like doing therapy, I'd almost lie during it because I knew exactly what I was feeling, but I didn't necessarily want to get anybody else's advice on it just because I was like, I know this situation better than myself. But so I used to hate going because I used to be like, I don't really want to talk about this, like anything like that. And so my mom was very big on like making sure my brother and I stayed in therapy, like for basically the rest of our lives after. And I was problematic in the sense where I was always jumping therapists because it would just take one thing that was said to me. And I was like, I don't want to see them again. (laughs) yeah yeah that's like how it was like I remember when I became a teenager I had a new therapist after and I didn't like the fact that because I was a minor she would still communicate with my mom Mm -hmm. so it's like almost her my mom had a debrief before I would have my sessions and talk about like what was going on in my life during the week and I remember one day my mom and I got in a huge fight and she was in the wrong but she phrased it as me being in the wrong And made herself this like different narrative. So when my therapist had brought it up to me to talk about, I got really mad. And I was like, whose side are you on? I was like, I'm your patient. Like my mom's not your patient. And I was like, I honestly hate this conversation even happening. Mm -hmm. So I stopped going to her and then I got a new therapist and I loved her because she was very blunt and I would tell her about things. And I even saw her up until I was a sophomore in college. So I was a senior to a sophomore in college. And I would tell her like everything. And she'd be like, it was the first person I really was comfortable with too, telling her everything. And she'd be like, why aren't you so fucking excited for yourself? I'm like, yes, she would swear at me as a teenager, but that was just her curtness. And my mom hated that. So she like discontinued that relationship. And then- So the one therapist you liked, it was like, well, I actually don't like her. And then I had one for a while again, that was like a man. That was the first male therapist I'd gone to. And he was like one of those like little woke ass white men. 
and mm. it was very entertaining, like talking to him about everything. So it was another, I was very open and comfortable, but it was very entertaining talking to him because also I loved <laughs> getting his perspective because I'd yeah. say something like men suck. And he specialization was like family therapy and like marriage counseling, but also like he could do the whole thing. So when I would come to him about relationship issues or like dating issues, he would be able to break it down on a diagram and door, like on the whiteboard that was in there and be like, this is why at this age, what you're chasing in a man isn't going to work because men are so underdeveloped and was like explaining it to me and all this shit. And he was so cool. And then COVID happened and everybody was broke and he was like, your insurance didn't cover X, Y, and Z. And I was like, that's false because I knew how much my copayment was. And I even talked to my insurance. So he tried to scam me. Um, and then since then I haven't been to one. Hmm. It's a long journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was say, yeah. This sounds like a journey. Tati, yeah. would you mind telling us how you decided to get into therapy? Yeah. So actually I, um, I got into therapy because I ended up getting my master's in social work. And what a lot of people don't know is, well, here's the thing with social workers, there, there's a stigma, right? That we take the babies, we go in the house, we ruin lives, right? Um, that is, that is not what social workers do. <laughs> um, you know, well, we do a lot of things, right? Um, we work directly with people, which is what I do. So I, you know, when you get a social work degree, you don't have to become a therapist. I just chose a little bit more education and time and hours and money and um, paperwork and decided to go the clinical route to become a therapist, um, which is where I'm currently at in life. But um, I was working in residentials with teenagers and um, they dealt with a plethora of mental health concerns, right? So they dealt with um, schizophrenia, they dealt with anxiety, depression, um, you know, life transitions, all these different types of things. And it just intrigued me because um, I was very good with these kids and it was simply because I was just able to be authentic and just real with them. And we had a therapist there and he was, he was trash and he was mean and he was very, um, just very dehumanized from, from reality with these kids. And, um, I just wanted to be on the other side of that, but also too, um, I went through some things as a kid and, um, as a teenager, I kind of had a similar experience with Kendall, um, of my parents separating and I didn't know I didn't know anything about therapy ever until I got into college um, and I kind of made a vouch to myself and I was like you know I kind of want to be the person that I wish I had when I was a teenager I wish I had when I was younger um, so that looks like a social worker who could find the community resources and who could also um, look at how these systems like the government and healthcare and food insecurity and educational system how those all impact you know a person dealing with anxiety depression postpartum and all these things while also becoming a therapist and um looking at the clinical aspect of people and being able to treat and diagnose so um it kind of just all grew into fruition and and social work was the way to go for me because I could do both um Mm -hmm. and that's kind of just how I got to where I am now um so it was a it wasn't a straightforward journey, but every, you know, job I had kind of was in alignment with me becoming the therapist I am today. That's great. And I feel like it's interesting how you made that connection between therapy and social work, because like you said, a lot of people see social workers as these people who just come in and tell parents what they're doing wrong and separate families and so forth. 
work. Yeah. So a lot of social workers actually have that therapy background so they can bring that clinical perspective to be like, you know, I've noticed mm-hmm. these issues happening in the home, but this is how right. we can address it and yeah. work through and resolve right. it, which is yeah. um, amazing. And two, I think in general, I feel like as Black people, there is so much stigma around therapy and I see it every day with people I know like I feel like I have a good amount of friends who see therapists now but I feel like when we were a little bit younger when Mm -hmm. I would bring up the idea even as somebody who wasn't in therapy then I would just notice people going through very traumatic anxiety riddled situations and I would be like look as your friend I love you I want the best for you, but baby, we both 18 and 19. I don't got this figured (laughs) out. I can't, like, what can I do that would not send you spiraling further or making a decision that just wouldn't be best? Like, why don't you go see a therapist? But again, even outside of the stigma within our own community, there are still so many barriers that we have to address. Absolutely. And like I say, I'll, I'll always be a social worker, but I took the extra route to become an actual therapist. There's a difference between a therapist and a LPC, a counselor, two different trainings, two different pathways. Um, but kind of along with that, you know, over the years, there's this stigma even within the Black community. Oh, I'm not going to nobody to tell me how to live my life. And, you know, who are they to tell me this is what I should be doing? I don't give people advice. <laughs> if anything, <laughs> you know, when a client comes to me, um, they always figured out the answers within themselves because therapy simply provides you a space to be able to explore, you know, these issues within yourself and to process these things. Like Kendall said, you know, processing these separations and processing, you know, especially now I'm, I'm becoming a therapist in the midst of, you know, a pandemic. So there's always just processing trauma. Um, but there is a, there are these barriers, especially, you know, within these, within black communities, but also I can't even, um, you know, blame Black communities within themselves because it's a systemic issue as well. Um, you know, we've been so institutionalized and things like that, that we haven't had the access to be able to process. And we've always had to suppress our emotions and things like that due to slavery and, um, you know, just just oppression um, throughout centuries. So it's, I can't really blame it 100% on Black community, but um, you know, there is a, there, there are some faults, but also it is a systemic issue. Um, yeah, yeah so it's, it, it's a, it's a interesting thing to look at, but also too, um, you know, the stigma of, well, I'm not letting anybody tell me what to do and things like that. Honey, I'm still figuring it out too. Should I have a therapist <laughs> myself? So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's times where people uh, come to me and I'm like, you know, I don't know the answer to that. God, grad school training did not teach me that. But I bet you by next session, I will have an answer for that. <laughs> because, see, people, you know, what people have good. to, yeah, what people have to realize is I'm human too. And, um, you know, and that's the approach I like to take in my therapy. I'm human. I'm, um, I like to be as vulnerable as I can. I like to be as transparent as I can. Um, you know, a, a cuss word or two might fly out every once in a while, but, um, meeting people where they are and being authentic brings the best results. And, um, that's that's where we are (laughs) and I know this kind of goes back to what Kendall said before yeah I I don't know if I would go into therapy with that mindset of like 
I I don't already know this. I have it figured right. out. I think I would be the opposite. I would go with therapy like, girl, what is going on? Like, mm-hmm. I would probably be word vomiting all the time. Like, my therapist yeah. would probably be like, yeah, you are overwhelming oh, me. Please leave. Well, I think what happened at that time in my life, too, is that, like, you always, I think with Black people in general, too, and maybe their apprehensiveness to therapy is that we've always been told we have to be resilient. and strong when it comes to that emotional state like that I was literally eight years old so I think that was the first time I've ever had to deal with something genuinely hard in my life um and it was like this weird timing too like my grandma had passed and then four weeks later my grandpa passed and then my parents split up so it was like this whole Mm, cycle of like very tough things within a span of maybe two years to really navigate mm-hmm. my feelings for before I really talked yeah. in therapy. Yeah. So I think it was like that processing of emotions where I was like, well, I, I don't know how to talk about this. How do I talk about this? Like my yeah. mom would always introduce the topics and I'd be like, I don't want to talk about this though right now because I'm having a good day. So why do I want to talk about something like this? When like, right. that was my apprehension because I was like, okay, well, today's a good day. So why do I want to talk about this right now? So mm-hmm. That was probably the big reason I went in. Like, I've already figured this out for myself by mm-hmm. doing X, Y, and Z. Why do I need to talk to you? But like, as time went yeah. on and I realized like, nobody's asking you to wear that armor. Mm-hmm. I've realized like, as I've gotten older and like my current, like being 24 now, I'm literally like, there's so much more, I feel like acceptance and understanding and like people genuinely, I think like you more when you're a little bit more in touch with your emotions and able to have oh, yeah. difficult Absolutely. conversations or like be able to extend yeah. empathy or grace to other people. Whereas I feel like if you stayed in a hardened state, that's why people have issues in terms of relationships and communication and maintaining all of that. It's, yes. 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 And even then too, I've noticed yes. like, <laughs> I've noticed too, people that I'm friends with that have therapists, and the friends that don't like not that it's a bad thing but I've noticed my friends that, that don't they can kind of go off on tangent sometimes when it comes to like venting and kind of speaking about what they know they should do but mm-hmm. not so much falling into it like say for right. instance they're like I have this situation I got into it with a family member they've always pissed me off they're going to continue to piss me off and they're just rambling and going on and on and on and I'm like yeah. you know I feel yeah. like this is a reoccurring situation either yeah. you can address it head on and speak with somebody that can give you if not the tools to make it better just the yeah. language that you feel mm-hmm. comfortable expressing it and Absolutely. moving forward with, yeah. you know, either fixing the relationship, completely yeah. letting it go or so forth. But I've always been like that with my friends. Like, I love y'all and I want y'all to come talk to me, but yeah, baby, we're not going to keep talking about the same thing over and over and over. Cause at that point, again, yeah. I don't know how I can help you. Cause I want you to right. figure it out. I want yeah. you to resolve whatever issue it is. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that's great. And, you know, even as a therapist, I find myself with my friends, too, and they're telling me things and you see those patterns and things. And I'm like, yo, I love you, but you're fucked up, bro. That's fucked up. You need to talk to somebody. <laughs> and I'm not that person. I am not. You are not scheduled. And I did not get an invoice. I cannot talk to you about it. And it's a conflict <laughs> that you 
But um, yeah, I, I absolutely um, agree with that. And, and I like to tell people, you know, with therapy, the work is really done on the outside of therapy. Um, I, I just provide you with the tools and guidance to be able to get to a point of, you know, functioning and higher well-being. But ultimately, that work is done in outside. Um, I've been on my therapy journey for about a couple years. And um, a big part of what I knew would be helpful for me. So this is something I did know was that I wanted a black therapist. I was like, I know off the rip, like, I want somebody who looks like me that that can relate to my experiences, that can, you know, validate all of these things. And it's worked out. But when I got my first therapist, um, let's see, I'll be 26 this year. So when I got my first therapist, I was 20, 23, still toxic, still being young and college and I don't know I was living my best life right um and I wasn't ready I mean I said I wanted a therapist and I'll be in sessions and she'll be like you know it's it's about time we touch on this and I'm like girl hell no I'm not coming back to this why would I talk about that right so it was a it was a point I wasn't ready you know and I was I'm not gonna say childish but it's just I was not ready to take it serious because therapy is hard work um, and it, you know, some sessions is not fun. Some sessions I leave crying and pissed off, um, because I didn't got read for filth. And then other sessions I'm joyous because I feel rejuvenating and I feel, you know, progress is being made and I feel like, okay, this shit is actually working. So, you know, therapy is a journey. And, um, as somebody who's been in it and who's also in the field, um, you're not going to, unless, you know, it's, a very solution focused type of thing but you know it it might take a couple of years for you to finally want to talk about whatever it is you initially went to um therapy for but it's there's never a one size fits all therapy doesn't work for everybody maybe you just need a self-help book and I can give you that and you won't come back to me again <laughs> or maybe you really do need you know some years of really processing and talking about these things um I but feel like yeah the biggest thing to me that is like mm-hmm. a like a green light that I want to see a therapist for too is yeah. just because I feel like a therapist is unbiased this person yes. does not know me outside yes. of this room therefore right. they're not going to be like well I know you can get through this you are so strong you've done right. ABZ in the past yeah. like okay yeah. I get that I know that this person is coming to right. me like I am yeah. telling you, you can do this because you have the tools within you. And this is how you can right. figure it out on yeah. your own, essentially. Yeah. Like, again, friends and family are great. I love my friends and family. Yeah. I always feel yeah. like they have my best interest at heart. But will right. they lead me astray? You damn right. Because they be leading yeah. themselves astray. Yeah, yeah. And and it is an, a very, un, you brought up a, an amazing point. It is an unbiased. I don't know you from a can of paint. Um, and you know, it, it is different when you tell a friend, hey, I'm depressed, I'm down. And, you know, the first thing they tell you is, oh, it'll be okay, or you'll get through it, or it'll pass. No, like, homie, I'm, I'm, I'm going down right now. Like, yeah. I need, I need to process this. Like, I know it'll be okay, but fuck right now, it's not. And I need to, you know, explore this to get to a point where I do feel like it's okay. Um, and, and that's, you know, a, a huge part of therapy. We provide that one hour, that one hour, it's about you. It's your treatment. You know, I have these interventions and these guidelines and things like that. Um, but at the end of the day, it's you came to me. I didn't come to you. So you, you know, this is your treatment. This is your money. This is your time. So um, what is it that you need from me to be able to help you become, you know, the best version of yourself? And ultimately, that's not a, it'll be okay and a tap on the back. No, this may be 
let's look at this situation as a whole and process every aspect of it and then come to the fact, you know, will you be okay or do you need to look at different avenues? Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Also kind what of similar to what Sid had, oh, sorry, similar to like what Sid had said earlier about yeah. like unbiased opinion or like people right. saying like you've been through X, Y, and Z. Right, right. I'm from like a very religious family. And the mm. very big thing, if I were to say like, like my mom's well aware of like my depression and like I have episodes right. of like being good, <laughs> being not, or being mm-hmm. social and then not wanting to talk for like weeks. Right. And then, whenever I go through those pockets of just really not having the energy to talk, yeah. she'll send me like Bible verses nonstop. Mm, girl, like, yeah. That's God. So like you got like, God has a plan or put like your problems in him, which for a while it works because it's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, like, it's a trust thing. Like I have somebody right. who uses my outlet as like a thought, but I'm also like, that is such a toxic, like not saying my mom is, but I'm saying in general, like, within the religious community, there's such an emphasis of like, God will cure your depression. God will cure your mental health issues. Like right. Jesus said, all of that. Right. And like That is such a toxic message to keep presenting, giving it to is. people because yeah. then they're going untreated and they're thinking, yeah. why can I be this representation in faith? Why can't I be like this apostle? Why can't I be like this right. disciple? Yeah. No, you're not going to be Peter, Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John. Like you're you. Yeah, that, like, exactly. that messaging, you don't even know how much of that, actually, I'm not going to say that, but like, it's, <laughs> it's just, it's a horrible message to really yeah. present to other people. Like you can it do, is. you can practice your faith, but also practice your therapy at the same time. Like that's how right. you're going to do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of times what I find with religion is it, it does become this toxic cycle, right? Like, you know, God will cure you and God's got you, you're in God's hands. No, actually, I might need medication to help balance me out because I'm, I'm losing, you know, so and it, it just I, I wholeheartedly hear you when you say that. And you're not the first person that I hear um, kind of say that how religion plays such a big role. And, you know, it kind of puts these emotions to the side and have you focus on the faith and things like that. But no, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I need I need a little bit more than what God can provide you know me what? with right now. <laughs> and that's OK. What they say. <laughs> What did I say? Isn't it like faith without works is dead? And I feel mm. like that can be applied to those instances of needing to seek therapy. Like if anything, right. yeah. God put therapists here so you can yeah. have an outlet of yeah. a physical, tangible person to yeah. talk with who, again, can give you mm-hmm. these tools. Um, Tati, I have one question for you, too, in yeah. terms of any like first time therapy seekers what would you say are words of advice you can give somebody? Mm, That's a really good question. I'd say for somebody who is um, seeking out therapy for the first time, I say interview and consult with therapists. You know, just because you see one, that doesn't mean that's your one, Um, because ultimately the therapeutic relationship is a collaborative relationship, right? So um, the energy I bring to you is, is very important. And I want to make sure that you succeed. So let's make sure that this is a fit for us. And, you know, as a therapist, not every, I'm not meant for every client and I'm okay with that. Um, just like every client is not meant for me and I'm okay with that. <laughs> have you ever had to turn and- down any patients? Um, I have had to tell my supervisor, Hey, this just isn't going to work out and that's okay. And whether it be because I'm triggered by them, 
Um, you know, cause that's the thing, you know, their experiences might trigger me or maybe mm-hmm. it's just not working out. Um, mm-hmm. but simply, you know, understand for my first time therapy, because you have the right to interview therapists and see who fits for you. Um, another one is that, you know, it, therapy can be scary. So if you're nervous or anxious going into it, that's normal and that's okay. You're, you're about to tell somebody very intimate parts of your life. Um, essentially. So yeah, that could be very scary. And even if you aren't telling them intimate parts, you talk it to them, you know, outside of what you normally do. So it is a scary experience at first, and that is totally normal. Um, and I'd say the third part is just remembering, you know, therapists are human as well. Therapists, you know, deal with mental health concerns as well. Um, therapists are living in the same exact BS that the world is throwing at us just as much as you are. So give us the grace um, just as much as you would give yourself, but also realize too, we don't have all the answers. You know, I went to undergrad and my master's seven years and there's sometimes situations my clients bring me and I'm like, I don't know what the hell to say about (laughs) this, but I'm going to figure it out. (laughs) We're going to get back to it. But just realizing we don't have all the answers. Um, and if you do meet somebody who knows all the answers, you need to question them because that's not true. I'm, I'm constantly learning about new things and mm-hmm. I'm a forever learner in the field. Mm-hmm. So um, I would say those are my three biggest things as a first time therapy seeker to look for and to and remember. I, I feel like those are, <laughs> those are very strong points. Mm-hmm. that somebody should take into consideration um yeah now this is kind of more of like a a post therapy thing or like even as you're seeing a therapist how right. would you say to track your progress like mm. how do I even go about knowing this is going really good I feel right. different I feel like I'm doing right. what I'm supposed to do how do you track that progress as yeah. um as a client right right um so without getting too techy, I mean, you know, as a therapist, we create treatment plans with every client we have, and that allows us to create these goals and these objectives to be able to track where you are, right? So there, there hits a certain point where, you know, maybe three months, six months in, I'm like, hey, Sid, um, this is where we were and this is where we are now. And then as a client, you're like, damn, I didn't realize I did all of that <laughs> in six months. Um, or, you know, depending on your goal. You might self-monitor at home, whether that be, you know, I don't know, whatever your goals you may be working on, you can self-monitor that at home. And um, as my personal style of therapy, I like to provide check-in. So, you know, where are you? Um, What have you been working on this week? What worked for you? What didn't work for you? Um, Just exploring these different types of questions with uh, clients and giving clients a self-determination and teaching them how to monitor their own progress and things like that. Um, will be a way I say you'd be able to track. Um, yeah, it's really I, I I've always been curious about that. I'm just yeah, like, yeah, hmm, like how do am I? Should I keep paying you my money? Should I not? <laughs> am I gonna yeah, feel the yeah, change? Yeah, but I know me. My biggest thing would just be like <clears throat> at least some sort of like relief, or even yeah. the end, like you said, just putting in those daily practices that just help me minimize the amount of stress Mm -hmm. I'm under identify when I'm going into stressful situations or even identifying what exactly are triggers for me because I feel like it's harder to think of that when you're outside of the moment as opposed to when you've actually been triggered because when you're triggered you just like either I'm seeing red I'm screaming or I just don't want to be bothered 
right yeah and and two you'll notice I mean I'll put myself out there and give myself an example when I initially started therapy I was cold I was angry um mad at the world you know just working through a lot of things and um anything will set me off right the the wind can blow and I'd be pissed it was just (laughs) anything and I noticed that I was growing and progressing when the things that would piss me off no longer did because I knew I, I had the tools to be able to not let it get to me and then you know as time went on I made and it got to a point where it was subconsciously happening like I didn't realize these tools were being used because I practiced them so much and it was hard right being in therapy at first and they'll be like you know when this comes up do this and I I had to literally practice those things (laughs) and you're going to constantly be triggered all the time um but ultimately are you going to put in the work to not blow up like you used to are you going to put in the work to not get sweats and clammy and red and it's more like that mental training so it is it is somebody could think about physically training but this is like your brain that was was my big indicator when I knew it was working too like putting myself out there too like my form of anxiety disorder that I have is panic disorder Mm. so when things trigger me illogical yeah yeah I think of the Mm -hmm. worst possible outcome and I stay in that mindset and my biggest indicator that one, my medicine was working and two, that mm-hmm. therapy was too, when I was working yeah. with my psychiatrist, my therapist was that mm. I honestly would, it was a probably not the best thing to do, but I would think about those situations that in the past used to make me spiral mm-hmm. and it would be like, so I was in college, it would be that class that I knew I wasn't doing the best. And like, I would think about that. Right. And my biggest indicator that it was working is when I wouldn't get worked up. I would have like a logical step-by-step process to get through things. And that's like, once I was able to break it down, that's when I knew it was working versus like thinking about the worst thing and staying there. That is your prime indicator. That is a really good example, Kendall, because that's it. I mean, once you realize that the shit that used to bother you don't know (laughs) or you're able to, and it's it's really that simple. That's just how it, you know, it's working. I mean, And that looks so different for everybody, right? Somebody could be in therapy for five years and they're like, now it works. But somebody could be in therapy for two months and they're like, all right, I get it. So it, it, everybody's journey is so, so different. So different. Mm -hmm. Um, I I, I believe that. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is like, I recently, um, noticed, you know, we're constantly evolving as people and the therapist that I had no longer served me. Um, and I went on to find a new one that did. And, you know, I've only been with her for about almost two months and I'm already feeling improvements within myself. Um, but like I said, that's my personal journey. Right. So that might not look the same for everybody because um, there's never no in therapy. There's never no you have to sign this contract and stay with me for a year. No, I might only be with you for two months. Um, but, it, you know, it, it looks so different. So you know, you'll be able to know. I don't have a definite <laughs> like checklist, but you'll be able to know. But one other <laughs> thing I wanted to talk about before we wrap this up is okay. how I feel like even though there is stigma around therapy still within the black community, you are seeing it become more of like a like culturally accepted. Like again, you hear more people talking about therapy and so right. forth. But yeah. I feel like the negative side to this is I've noticed so many people using psychology terms incorrectly, like Mm, gaslight, narcissist, 
oh, toxic they love and all of these toxic. other terms. Oh, and I'm like, yeah. I'm like, it okay, girl. Me. I'm it like, he's me. selfish, but a narcissist? No. Or he's selfish, but mm-hmm. you calling him a manipulator? I don't think he's that mm-hmm. smart. I, I don't think you should give half of these people the credit <laughs> that they do when they use yeah. these terms or like, oh, this person is like, I don't know. Again, I just feel like there are so many terms are. that are being used incorrectly. Have you noticed that? I have noticed that. And I think a big one that I see is, oh, she's bipolar. Do you know what bipolar really looks like? <laughs> because no. that person is not bipolar. Um, that person is just in a crappy mood and just pissed about life. But they are not bipolar. <laughs> Trust. Um, but yes, I do see it. Um you brought up an amazing point actually is that although I feel like therapy is being talked about and it is being normalized and I love that I love that for my generation and for my people but um leave it to the professionals to um you know diagnose and to uh you know really have these discussions because like you said no that person isn't a narcissist they're just self-centered I can show you a narcissist and (laughs) they're they're 10 times worse than somebody that's self-centered um or, you know, we talk about, oh, that person, you know, is, is schizophrenia. No, they're, they're not. They're, they're just in their own world, but they're not schiz. So it's just, it, I do see that a lot. And it is one thing within the therapy community that we talk about a lot, how, you know, social media can be great, but also social media is misdiagnosing and misinforming a lot of people. And I think a big one, a huge one that I see because it's a focus of mine is the ADHD stuff. Um, mm. Everybody has ADHD all of a sudden. And, you know, I will never, ever, 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 ever tell somebody they aren't experiencing any symptoms. But I do want people to be more informed about what the symptoms really are. And if you are having these symptoms, seeking out help to help mm-hmm. alleviate the symptoms or manage them. Because, you know, ADHD isn't life-threatening, but it is, it is serious and it should mm-hmm. be taken serious. And um, the TikTokers and things are are normalizing it, which is great and which provides relatability and things, but also too, um, ADHD is a lot to deal with. And just like any mental health diagnosis, it's a lot um, mm-hmm. and it should be taken with caution. Um, so yeah, I agree with you a thousand percent. I'm seeing it all across mm-hmm. boards and it is a huge topic within um, But I mean, going community. back to what you said before, yeah. unless the person is licensed, you should not be yeah. taking advice so seriously from them like yeah you can hear about people's experiences with being diagnosed with Mm -hmm. untreated ADHD or untreated depression but no at the end of the day this Mm -hmm. person cannot logically diagnose you because I remember I even had a conversation about this with my mom one time because I was reading how they talked about women typically Mm -hmm. go undiagnosed with ADHD compared to men and I was like I feel like I got some of these like attributes and my mama mm-hmm. like, no, don't go reading too much. She mm-hmm. was like, cause first of all, you need to have whatever symptoms you need to have this. You need to have yeah. seen somebody like, don't call <laughs> that upon yourself until mm-hmm. you talk to somebody who's licensed. Cause my right. mom is a licensed counselor. So she's like, wait a minute. I've seen people with actual ADHD. You might just I- have some Un, yeah. you might just be a little all over the place at times right. but you okay yeah, yeah girl, girl yeah. my mama's a counselor how did I not know that about your mama <laughs> my mom is a counselor and my grandmother is a social worker who's also a licensed therapist yes. 
disclaimer audience me and Sid grew up together middle school and high school I don't know how to know this <laughs> girl Miss Tammy been working with kids my <laughs> mom works with kids and the stuff she tells me it's so heartbreaking like what kids have to go through that do yeah. experience trauma and so right. forth but yeah it's definitely something that happened so for you to already be aware of this and working with youth, I feel like that's great because you're really trying to provide that guidance that so many kids don't have. Because yeah, you know, absolutely. some of them yeah. experience this trauma firsthand in their homes. It's not yeah. with strangers yeah. or anything else. Mm-hmm. My three closest friends are therapists who mm. are licensed, and the other one's a school social worker. And it's like, one of them works with kids as a licensed therapist and the other one I think works for like the state of Illinois. I could be wrong, but it's the other one works in a public school here in Chicago as a school social worker. And like just the stuff that they'll talk about, or I just like can't imagine that being the day to day, like having can be heavy enough, but when you have to provide that like emotional harm to other people and sometimes their only support system Mm-hmm. is really it's a lot and it is it's a really is. big job and I think it's so oppressive when people are able to do it because yeah. compartmentalizing is hard like I know it's hard for me to take myself out of my work brain or not incorporate work in my daily life but you it's harder to check those at the door so you know, it, it really is amazing yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a balance I'm still figuring out um, because I'm so invested in my work, right. To where I can get off at five and I'm still up at eight. Like, I wonder what activity will work to be able to get this them, or, you know, it's just, I'm all, my brain is always going and like, you know, Sundays are very important to me. I'm trying to do better with resting and I'm trying to do better with, you know, practicing what I preach to clients. I'm like, you should do self-care while I'm running on E and looking crazy because I haven't been practicing it. Right. So it is, it is very hard to compartmentalize. And I think that it'll be a lifelong battle. Um, but I'm trying to get it down packed while I'm young <laughs> before I get, you know, 20 years in the field and look a hundred when I'm really 40, but, um, but how you know, do you also, I've always wanted to know this. Like, how do you yeah. not take on somebody else's problems as your own? Um, it's something I'm still trying to figure out um, because, you know, there's, think about it. Um, you've been in therapy, so we're constantly holding on to people's emotions and constantly holding on to people's trauma, right? So um, you you do take that home. And there's times that I've, I've come home boohooing and I'm like, you know, I hope that, you know, when I wake up in the morning that my client is still around, you know, it, it, it's, these things that we're constantly thinking about because we hear, well, in my case, you know, it depends on what type of therapy you do. But in my case, I hear very fast stories and um, daily, you know, 20, 40 hours a week, I'm, I'm hearing these stories and I'm having to take them on. And then I'm come home depleted. Like people know now when I come home, I've, I don't have Jack Diddley to talk about <laughs> because, you know, I, I just, I've been carrying everybody else's conversations and um, it's, it's a hard job to have, but it, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, but I do, you know, recommend if you want to become a therapist, be ready to invest in your own therapist. Um, and I think I will say, I think that's what really helped me is to be able to, I have a space where I can dump my crap on somebody and my therapist as a therapist and her therapist as a therapist. And it's a full on cycle because we deal with a lot of emotions all the time. Um, so I'm, I'm still figuring out my balance with it. <laughs> I literally, you know, what's so crazy. I have been, I'm a, I have been like seeing clips of this show that I also want to watch. It's called like couples therapy. 
I think mm. it's on Stars or with, HBO. Where they Orna? actually, yes, where That's she actually sits and talks with oh. couples. And I'm I also like, that. it's interesting because people like in a lot of her sessions, they're very forthcoming. And then you get all of these people with these mm-hmm. various issues. And yeah. even how one couple they might be dealing with the same thing as another couple, the way they both yeah. go about it and their attitudes yeah. are completely right. different. So as a therapist, yeah. it's crazy. Cause you like, like you said, I'm interacting with all of these people and all right. of these energies. So yes. somehow, yes. Oh. some way I have to balance and yeah. bring myself back to stay yeah. around. Yeah. It's the energy part for me because it it is, you, you see some, you hear some dark stuff and Shout out to Couples Therapy Show, Orna. That's my girl. I, it's, <laughs> I've watched that show and I'm like, there you go. Like that was the right thing to say. Like, yes, I, I love her. I love that. I love that husky. I love everything about that show. Okay. Um, but <laughs> that's that's needless to say, yes, there there is a lot of different energies. You got to deal with energies, personalities. Um, it, it's a lot. It's a beast. The job is a beast. Um, thankfully I will say I have a job that is very, or an agency that's very invested in my mental health, um, and very invested in our well being. So they do what they can to make sure we're straight because if we're not straight, you're not going to get good productivity out of us. So, <laughs> you know, it, it, I will say I'm, I'm grateful in that area. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a job. It is a job. <laughs> It is. And we commend you for taking it on. I feel like I am always so happy when I hear more about Black people going into therapy and even those outlets like um, Black Girl Therapy, the podcast Mm -hmm. with Dr. Joy, which I think is amazing. But us in general having more access to just make sure we're balanced. Like we said before, y'all, it's a lot of shit going on in the world. It's a lot of shit going on. And the thing is, it's never gonna stop. That's it's my never biggest gonna thing. It's gonna keep going. You gonna have yeah. to either fall into it or fall out. And not to say yeah. every day is mm-hmm. gonna be the best day mentally, but no. still yeah. just having those tools to know. Yeah. Yeah. I am grounded. I can do it. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. It is a lot. And it's and especially like as a black therapist and you know, we see the shootings and, 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 you know, everything else that encompasses being Black, right? Um, so I take that on in my personal life. And then I go see my Black families and they're talking about it. So we're empathizing in session because that's something we can both relate to because it is, it is a lot. I just want to go to the grocery store. I just want to go, you know, mind my business, but that's not a reality for me. Um, you know, I mean, it is a reality because I've been blessed to still be here, but in the reality of this, this is, this is what's happened to some other people who look like me. Um, and mm-hmm. so I encourage, you know, anybody out there, especially if you're of color, be, become a therapist if you're interested. Like we need more black therapists. I think uh, across the United States, it's only 18% of black therapists. Um, and we need more people who look like us to, to relate, to connect and to be able to share these vulnerable moments. Like I know you're hurting because of this media. I'm hurting as well. How can we process through this um, you know, together. And because it's a, it's a, it's a collaborative thing, you know, it's community. Um, and I think, you know, my, my vision, my work is so much bigger than working directly with clients. Right. And as a therapist, it's, it's a community thing. Um, I feel like I'm a community therapist. <laughs> so it, it's, um, it's a journey. Yeah, it is. And I hope you Sounds take like time that. to give yourself your flowers among this journey, because it is mm. really imp- like it's important 
but mm-hmm. it's also really amazing and far and few between to have a black woman therapist, let alone a yeah. young black woman therapist. Mm-hmm. So nobody ever wants to be like, my job is so important and I'm so amazing at this. And I'm so like all this stuff. Right. It's hard yeah. for people to really own that shit, but mm-hmm. I'm going to own it for you and say what you're doing is so amazing and important. Mm-hmm. And I know yeah. tough days come in between that, but I really hope you take the time to recognize that like what you're doing is saving lives and it will in the yes. longevity of things as well thank you yes. thank you yes yes agree yes. agree <laughs> but I was gonna say that has been such an insightful conversation um yeah. any listeners if you are looking to do therapy you know go ahead rewind taking into consideration <laughs> everything Tati has Just shared yes be open do your consultations yeah. with therapists don't feel like I have to go to this person because somebody yeah. recommended her or yeah. because they said she's the best in the city find what fits your needs what right. you're going through at the moment yeah I'm definitely gonna get me a therapist it's it's coming up. Yeah. I'm about to hit 26 like I don't know. I just don't feel like I want to start a family or do anything that would result in me passing trauma down. Like I would hate to just have some little rugrats running around here. That's like terrorists. Like, no, I don't want, no, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with that. Baby kids. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And my last piece of advice is there are resources. Okay. Um, as far as, you know, seeking out financial assistance for therapy, check with your insurance companies. Um, you know, Google is a amazing engine tool that we've been gifted. Um, so if you're looking for something specific, you know, if you're looking for LGBTQIA affirming therapists who are black and in the city of St. Louis, they are out there. Um, psychology today is a huge help. That's where I found both of my therapists who are both amazing. Um, you know, there just there are tools and there is money, like I say, check with insurance because a lot of people are blown that their um plans actually do cover mental health. So um just just make the phone calls and call people and you know, we're out here. <laughs> we we healing. That's what we doing. <laughs> amazing. And that's what summer will be for. No hot girl summer. We're healed girl summer. Hill girl summer on all, all summers, not just this summer. Every hill girl summer, hill girl fall, hill girl spring right we're healing all year round (laughs) please because i'm tired of being in y'all close friends and y'all posting quotes about what somebody (laughs) did to you or posting subliminals get next time i see somebody (laughs) no next time i see a story of somebody sharing a we are the urban post on their story i'm gonna give them a transcript i'm i'm just saying i want everybody to get help but again you Mm. need to seek outlets that are going to reflect positive change. You <laughs> posting on your Instagram story is not going to get the change that you want. And I mean that with all sincerity, y'all. Oh, so much sincerity. Intellectual. Mm. They touch on their feelings. They're intellectual, Sydney. Mm. Let them live on social. If you need to cry, cry. But afterwards, go see that therapist. I'm telling you. <laughs> now is the time. Hey. That's why I'm going to go see a therapist because at some point, It'd be certain stuff I'd be doing. I'd be like, Sydney, you know better than this. Y'all, this is, this is why the podcast is annoyed and not offended, okay? Obviously, these posts are annoying her. Stop doing that, all right? <laughs> yes, they are annoying me. They are annoying me so much. I'd be scrolling right past them. People be like, did you not see what I, I did? 
I saw exactly like, what you said. Just text me, bro. Like, why are you saying this? <laughs> <laughs> said that's our earth signs at work. Because I'll be, when somebody will reach out to me in a very emotional state, I'll be very sympathetic and talk to them about it. But when I see it on their stories, whether that's Snapchat or Instagram, I'm literally like, girl, go talk to somebody. Don't put this Please. out there. Go talk to Please. somebody. Because again, you guys, we, I feel like again, to sum everything up to we're all getting to a place in our lives like mid-20s going into your 30s and so forth you're entering a new chapter in a new era therefore you should not be carrying the same baggage that you had as a child as a teenager into this new period of your life you should have a clean slate and I want that for me and I feel like I want that for a lot of people because that's the only way to kind of just make the best decisions moving forward you're not clouded mm-hmm. by those things, which is essentially all I yeah. meant. Yep. But you here. guys, <laughs> moving on to the final segment of the show. We you, are you are drove. So for all my non-St. Louisans, um, drove is terminology for when you thought something was going to work out in your favor. And it does not. We've all been Dro- there, but <laughs> Dro- it Dro- happens. <laughs> Drove as hell, drove as fuck, but it happens. <laughs> but we have somebody this week that is very, very drove. Um, the FBI arrested Ryan Keeley, um, who is a Republican candidate for Michigan governor after his role in the Capitol riot. So Mr. <laughs> Kelly participated in the January 6th riots at the U.S. Capitol, but is also the candidate for governor in Michigan. And he was arrested on Thursday morning. Drove how crazy. Hell. First of all, how, like literally, um, they basically arrested him after they had a search warrant in his home. And he was arrested and charged with the misdemeanor, according to the U.S. Attorney's Office. Um, and their arrest actually came hours before the committee investigation began, um, which... I believe they're only on like day three of the public hearings investigating the insurrection. But again, Mr. Kelly thought he was going to get away with this. And he's actually a real estate broker. And he he claimed he already said he did participate in the insurrection, (laughs) but he downplayed his involvement, which is I don't know which is crazier him admitting he participated in it. It was still running for governor or him downplaying his involvement. No, but that literally would his platform as like if you're running as a hardcore conservative in that end, you'd be like, I stood up to big government at DC in DC. Like that is well, Mr. Kelly ain't standing on it. He was not standing <laughs> on it because they locked his ass up. But basically, there were multiple videos of him like on the steps rallying the crowd. He's like yelling at them, like, come on. Literally, they have him quoted as saying, come on, let's go. This is it. This is, this is war, baby. (laughs) Oh, Lord Jesus. And his whole thing was him saying, oh, I I went. But once I realized it was getting out of control, I left. Really? Really, sir? You incited the crowd to just go harder. You know the thing, though, that we're going to find out? as we are slowly already have found out is that these are like everyday people who are like, we work with like people we work with our dentist, not ours, but like 
yeah. dentists, doctors, everything that were like there, like mm-hmm. first responders who were supposed to have our best interests at heart were there. And mm-hmm. as it's coming out more and more of these hearings or findings that we're hearing, like I watched the first day of the hearing and the things and the information that they were able to gather that came out while the hearing was happening. And you can watch it on Hulu, by the way, um, was actually very alarming. Like this was so thought out, planned out, like their actions the day of like things they said mm-hmm. was very alarming. Like mm-hmm. We all knew it was a little crazy ass situation, but they none of this. I think they they definitely downplayed the magnitude of it. Yeah, like they really were gonna kill people. Like, yeah, they were coming for blood. (laughs) Like that's why people act like this whole thing is being so over exaggerated to charge these people and like bring them to like the system, but it's not. Like this actually was. We all knew. We all knew this was like a domestic terrorist (laughs) incident, but like it really was again trying to downplay it and it and we watched it all play out on television too which felt so unreal like no I literally went and got food to watch it like I went to Jimmy John Super Bowl yeah Super Bowl you're like wait a second let me push pause on CNN I was having a I was having a viewing party of democracy falling Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what it looked like. I was just like, right. now we doing this now. I'm working. Well, I'm like, even emailing people. When I saw it, I was like, for a party that like honors hardworking everyday work Americans, I was like, y'all ain't got jobs to be at to be doing right. Right. Like you they climbing walls. You don't have a job to be at right now, like midday. Even no. then, I feel like. I remember coming across a news story like the day after when everybody who was at the insurrection was trying mm-hmm. to leave DC and how some people had already been flagged. Yeah, and they were put on the no fly list. Like, why did you think you could storm the Capitol, then get your ass back on the plane? Like, do you not know? White privilege. White privilege. I was just about to say it's the privilege for me. <laughs> it's like they're literally, so there's somebody. I went to high school with whose family is super hardcore conservative Trump supporters Uh and they just openly go hard on social media, which brings a lot of criticism. And a lot of people in our hometown have talked about them on social media and like said some crazy shit about them. But the craziest shit of it all is that the mom was at the insurrection. And I honestly haven't seen any videos to know how far she really got to the point, but because of the way this family acts on social media and so outwardly like viewpoints, so outward out there, people literally reported them to the FBI and like screen recorded the videos and the stories and everything and put it in there. So God only knows (laughs) what happened to her <laughs> we'll really report her to the fbi when they're like if you know anything <laughs> say something i know but like six people that personally told me they did it too you know what though if i knew somebody who posted that shit i would too i would tell fuck? what what kind of why would you think posting this is acceptable or telling people like what that means that you're going to jail like why you're would you going do this? to jail she posted this story because after. why would you do that I remember seeing a Facebook status that was like, it was Antifa. I was there and I was like, do we even know who the fuck Antifa is? Like, who do we know? I'm just still screaming that you said like six people were like, I definitely. Well, I thought about being the seventh because I was like, that's what you get for your daughter saying Michelle Obama was disgusting behind me freshman year in Old Testament class. 
Because I turned around and I was like, why is she gross? Like, what is, why is she gross? Because I said you Michelle Obama goes ill. I was like, But you she- know what? If you are dumb enough to post on any platform that you were there and participated, like, you have to get what's coming to you. I don't even support the police, but lock their ass up. Please. <laughs> Please, real man, man. I want you to. And two, when the police go after them, I don't want no nice arrest. Like we knocking <laughs> on your door. I want them busting this shit down, smoke bombs. These are terrorists, and I want them to be treated as such. Don't treat them like civilians. Treat them as terrorists. I tell you right now, three hundred sixty-four days out of the year, three hundred sixty-four days out of the year, it's fuck the police to fund the police. But that one day. That they come to grab everybody. I'm talking about bring the armor, bring the trucks, bring the riot gear. Yes, call me. I will come call help. Me. We like it. Listen, up. I'll roll up in the squad car or the little, what's it called? The Paul Bart mild cap, like whatever little thing you they got. I'll drive. I the want dogs. Like- I want dogs. I want mace. <laughs> I want it all. This how you treat like like treat literally how they treat people when people were peacefully protesting. Yep. Bring all of that out. I want the mace, the bear spray. I want it all. I want the bikes. Every resource you have. Yes, to I go after it. these people. And bring, you know what? Bring, and you bring know, the, the cannon. Thing, yes. Blow it up. I was dying that like when I was watching the coverage again, I started laughing maybe out of trauma because I was protesting a shit ton in 2020 in the summer. But I remember hearing all the time, hold the line, hold the line. And all you hear is people in that video yelling, hold the line. And I was like, wait, who is it? Like the cops or the people? Like which line are we holding? Because either one is not working. (laughs) Even Nia, did you guys ever see that video? On social media that went viral during the insurrection where the man is coming out of the Capitol and he like, ain't nothing in there. Ain't nothing in there. And I'm like, where, where was this nigga at? Like, what? Did he not get what he wanted? He was going to take with him. The He's literally like, ain't nothing in there. <laughs> ain't nothing in there. Like, hey, but y'all, y'all can't say, although this shit is like mad, bad this shit is entertainment and it's funny especially shit like that like what do you mean like who are you black twitter made a whole joke of it as soon as it happened because none of our asses were there right actually they were but they're called uncle tom's but that's a different story um but you know people talk about ashley babbitt the woman secret service shot at the insurrection first of all why did you even fuck with secret service and think that you could cross them i was like this is like when I saw that, it was a black man that shot her too. And I said, good job, sir. But it was one of I didn't things. know it was a black person that shot her. I'm pretty sure because if you look at the video, it's two secret service agents. And one of them is like black, bald-headed and black. So I was like, if he did it, he was it doing was the man job. from Lilo and Stitch. Gone to, gone to. But I'm literally like, why would you do that? Just like, there's the FBI, there's the CIA, there's cops, but secret service? Why would you even think you could get past them? It's like these people aren't afraid to die. Like they're not afraid to, why would you do That's that? They job. Signed right. up for this shit. They were born and bred for this shit. Right. And then when she got shot, I'm not going to lie to you. I laughed watching the video because I was like, maybe you should have stayed put. 
Maybe you should have listened to the police. Maybe you. This is just fueling the need for me to go watch, like you said, the documentary on Hulu where they're talking. Yeah, about I need to watch it. Yeah. But this shit it's is just so crazy. It's all the hearings. It's not even a documentary. It's the hearings that they're streaming oh, okay. on Hulu. You Hulu know what? Shout out to Hulu. Bag. Hulu keeping is in us, their bag. Keeping us bag alert. <laughs> Bring the cannons. <laughs> Blow it up. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> what they say, everybody, everybody go have a day in court. And I hope they find all of these people and lock them up. But you guys, that is it for this week's episode of the Annoyed Not Offended podcast. Um, it has been great having Tati here talking about therapy. We got in our mental health bag and we really want y'all to not be annoyed anymore. Like we want y'all to have those skills and tools. So find a therapist, work, work to do um, the self-reflection needed to be a better person. Cause it's a new year. Like Kendall said, we are having a healing girl summer that's what I want for myself um but that is it you guys we shall talk to you next week ciao Thanks for listening to Annoyed Not Offended with See It. Have a question or interested in sharing an annoyance of your own to be read on the show? Email annoyednotoffended at gmail.com. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Annoyed Not Offended for more hilarious content and updates on the show. And please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Until next time, bye.